girl. Welcome to the Empower Her podcast, where we are all about taking purpose-driven action toward building lives we really freaking love. My name's Keisha, and I'm an entrepreneur obsessed with giving you actual tools to help take you from where you are now to where you want to go in your life, career, and relationships. And this podcast is all about real talk and having some fun as we share incredible stories, tips, and tricks to help us get out of our own way and unapologetically make some moves. So girlfriend, let's do the damn thing. Girl, I am so excited that you're here for today's episode. This is such a juicy conversation that I think you're really going to vibe with because we're talking all about being unapologetic with what you want for your life, even if it doesn't look like anybody around you. And we have a really raw conversation about money mindset and diversifying your income. And it's just such a raw convo. So on the show, we have Chris Harder. And just for a little context, I actually used to listen into Chris's podcast because I knew the importance of having people around you that looked like the direction of where you were headed. And I struggled a lot with money mindset back then. And he talks a lot about money mindset. And this is when I was like a newer entrepreneur. And then fast forward a couple of years, when I started my own business outside of network marketing, I reached out to Chris, I sent him a DM and I was like, I want to be part of your elite level mastermind, this mastermind group that he hosts for 25 entrepreneurs that are making $500,000 or more a year. And at that point I wasn't making that amount. So I couldn't be in his mastermind yet, but I was like, I'm going to start this business and I'm going to get it to that point, And then I'm going to join your mastermind and I cannot even wait. When I joined his mastermind, literally my like brain wanted to explode like that mind blown emoji because I just felt like I was finally in a room with a lot of people that were leaps ahead of me that were just showing me what's possible because you know it's hard to be what you can't see and I needed to have those people around me to recognize like these are normal people that are just calling their shot and putting the work in and from that Chris became an amazing mentor to me and to my husband Zena and now honestly we consider him a dear friend he is such an expander he lights a fire in you like nobody else does. And what's so cool about Chris too, is he's really big on helping you figure out like what your version of an ideal life looks like, because that's not going to look like anybody else's. It's not going to look like mine. It's not going to look like his, but it's like, how do you actually know what feels aligned for you? And how can you be more unapologetic about stepping into it? So we talk about that a lot in today's episode. I have Chris coming back to Empower Her Live, our event this September 22nd through the 24th, which I hope you're coming to, um, because he is just such a huge catalyst for my growth that I just want everybody to be exposed to him. He is an investor. He is a podcaster. He is an incredible speaker. He is also building his own app. It's a peer-to-peer lending app called Frello that my husband seen and I actually invested in. We talk a little bit about it on the podcast, but he's just going to honestly make you feel so expansive. I cannot even wait to hear what you think of this episode. So definitely tag me at Keisha Get Married, tag at Chris W. Harder if you vibed with this. I love to hear your feedback. And without further ado, let's just jump right in because it is so freaking good. Let's go. Chris, I am so excited to have you here and just have this super juicy conversation that I know is going to light a lot of fires under people's booties. Welcome to the show again. Hey, likewise, out of my freaking mind excited, I would jam out with you every week on a show if you wanted. You're one of my favorite humans on the planet. So every time we get together, 
ends up being great conversations. Thank you, Chris. So for a little bit of context for people that don't know, our backstory actually starts from you being a mentor to me from afar, listening into your podcast, because I think it's really important that we surround ourselves with people that look like the direction that we're wanting to head. And you were such an expander to me from a money mindset perspective early on. And then obviously joining your mastermind and then getting to know you in the business setting, how much of a mentor you've become. And now it's so awesome to consider you a friend that I can just text and tell you like, what's going on in our world. But really, I wanted to have- I would say a dear friend. I want to correct you yeah. and say like a dear friend, like literally at the top of our list of people that we love, you and Sina, you know what I mean? And and we're even now business partners and stuff like that. Like oh. it's amazing when you describe that journey from- oh, listen to your show to where we are now. It's yeah. so cool how that plays out. And, and also it's just like, it's really cool because we have such raw conversations. Like if it is me and you chatting or with Lori or with Cena mm-hmm. as well about money and being unapologetic about what you want. And I was just sharing with you that I'm feeling this pull. I don't know if this is like a new like mama bear, like energy that's coming into me where I'm just like feeling a lot more fired up to want to talk and expose people to conversations that maybe they're not listening into about how important it is to call your shot on what it is that you want and also to drown out the noise of people that don't understand it and how important it is to even talk about things like money, which has you know been a huge part of your journey of what you've shared about on your yeah. podcast. But also it's like people avoid that because they feel like it's so uncomfortable. And why I wanted to have this conversation is, you know, when I was in your mastermind, and I know you know this, but for context for the listeners, I said to you, like, I was really struggling with what I wanted to do with my business. And I had come in and the business was making about like 500 grand a year or a little bit more than that to come into your mastermind. And I was like, okay, now what do I do next? But I didn't have this vision to want to build something to sell it. And what you said to me was like, Kish, what if you built this business and you kept just driving a lot of income into this and you could then take that income and funnel it into something else? And then we yeah. took the income that came in from Empower Her and we put it into real estate investing. And Sina and I bought $4.5 million worth of real estate in 15 months. And it really was yeah. from this conversation, you really just exposing me to like, what is like, what's your other option? Like think bigger, like expand your mindset. So when someone comes to you and you can recognize this pattern so quickly, because one of the things that is one of your superpowers is you can tell right away, like if somebody can get where they want to go, like you just have this like very intuitive nature to you. And like, what is it that you see is the story that they're telling themselves that's holding them back the most around money, in particular with entrepreneurs that you notice? Like, oh, maybe my goal should be six figures this year, but you know that they want something more. Like, what's that block that you notice most? It's what has been normalized around them in terms of the people around you. What have they achieved? Mm. So take five, 10, 15, 20 people that you interact with the most. And when I say interact, I mean both online and in your personal physical life. Whoever those 10, 15, 20 people are, whatever they've achieved becomes what's possible, becomes what's normal to you. And what's normal to you, then you can you can set your sights on and you cannot accomplish what you what you don't set your sights on. So you can set your sights on what's normal around you, what's possible around you. But the problem is, unless that group of 10, 15, 20 people is absolutely crushing it, then what you think is possible is not going to be, you know, crushing. It's going to be what the average people are doing. Mm. And so it's, it becomes this spiral that works against you. One, you don't set your sights high enough. Mm. Number two, you don't believe that even if you did, you could hit them. Number three, you're not armed 
with the knowledge of how to get there if you actually were brave enough to set your sights high enough because you're asking the wrong people around you. Mm-hmm. So the short answer, Keisha, is you have to pluck yourself up out of whatever surroundings you have. And I don't just mean like pick up and move out of your city, although some of you might have <laughs> yeah. to. You have to pick yourself up out of whatever surroundings you have, and you have to go drop yourself into a circle of influence that is going to normalize success, that's going to normalize massively big thinking, that's going to normalize discussing the path on how they got there, that's going to normalize celebrating each other's success instead of poking holes in each other when you have a moment that you're proud of. You need to go put yourself into that circle of influence or you're never going to stand a chance at getting ahead in this world where every single day it gets tougher to get ahead. Yeah. It's like, I've got good news and I've got bad news. The bad news is the world's just getting tougher. Like, sorry to break it to you, but yeah. it is. The economy, and I don't mean like short term, like sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. I mean, the way the economy works mm-hmm. is just getting tougher for people to get ahead of what it will cost to live. Yeah. That's the bad news. The good news at the same time though, is there's never been more free information available to you if you just looked for it. There's never been more teachers. There's never been more people who have already been there, done that, being willing to share their journey. There's never been more resources available, even if you don't have money to spend on the resources. There's never been more circles of people that are saying, hey, come over here. We celebrate success over here. That has never existed in mass like it does right now. So yeah, the ability to get ahead is working against you. But then- all of the the shortcuts, all the knowledge, all the influence that you need to break out of that pattern and get there, that's working for you if you just pick yourself up and go drop yourself into it. So true. And it's interesting because when we moved from Seattle to New York City, when Cena went to dental school there, I remember that was our first time living away from family and friends. And it was also the first time that I realized I was like I could drown out this noise of people that were really well-intentioned, but were like, Keisha, you're so ambitious. You're such a crazy thinker. Like, what are you doing? You know, and it, it sounded nice, but it gets in your head where you're like, wait, is there something wrong with me? But it's really just, you're in the wrong rooms with people that aren't celebrating. Like when they hear your vision, they're not like, how can you 10 exit? I mean, in fact, even when we, when Cena and I texted you after we found out about like, so we had casted this vision of wanting to buy an investment property every three months mm-hmm. using one business to funnel it into the next one. And it was just kind of this like crazy idea that we just like threw the shit out there. And we realized when we closed on our fifth property that it was exactly to a T to the day, 15 months since we had bought our first property. And we texted you. And of course, you know, you're like the king of celebrating you and I were like, yeah, let's go. And, and, and then afterwards it was like, okay, now how could you expand that, you know, 5X, 10X for next year? And it's like, can we talk about this idea, especially with you right now creating Frello, your peer-to-peer lending app mm-hmm. is like, it's almost like sometimes we, we start thinking about our vision and we just crank up the volume a tiny bit that it doesn't let our brain expand to all of these really creative solutions, right? Like, cause if you would have said, okay, Keisha, Sina, how do you get one more property next year? It's almost like the goal is not big enough for you to become the person to accomplish that goal or surround yourself with the right resources. And I think there are a lot of women listening in that they just aren't even thinking big enough. Maybe it's because of their circle, but they're not asking themselves the right questions to get this creative answer that could catapult pulled them into a totally different trajectory. So like, 
How do you do that? What are some of the questions that you ask yourself and like what could be helpful for that woman who feels that tug? Like, I know that I want more, but I'm just like, I'm just going to say I want a little bit more when she's like, I want a big ass life. And she's like afraid to say that, you know? (laughs) It's interesting. I'll, I'll tell you, you asked me specifically, you said, hey, what are some of the questions we ask ourselves to, to get to these bigger you know, dreams, these bigger numbers? It's not what we ask ourselves. It's what other people around us ask of us. Mm. Like they ask us the better questions the way I ask you the better yeah. question. When you're like, we just got our fifth property 15 months in. I can't believe how fast it's going. I'm like, that's amazing. What would it look like to get another mm-hmm. you know, 30 properties or another 50 properties yeah by the same time over the next 15 months. And I think people's reaction when I ask something like that is like, wait a minute, I just thought this was a big accomplishment. That's an absurd accomplishment, but at least now the question's on the table. Yeah. Well, the same thing happens to Lori and I all the time, right? People, Even right now, I'm talking to investors for Fellow. By the way, thank you guys for being investors in Fellow. Like, that means the absolute world to me. I Duh. can't wait to, to take you guys in our rocket ship to the freaking well, moon. And on that real quick before you dig into this, Chris, is one of the coolest things is being able to go from you being a mentor from afar to being a mentor up close to being a dear friend of ours to now also then being in a position where we can invest in your dream too, which is so freaking cool. And a lot of times, again, people don't even let themselves dream that big that someone who years ago was a mentor from afar, I was literally able to write a check to you and be like, we want to be part of this as you're taking this to the moon. Like that is so cool. And such a full circle moment, you know? So it's so badass. Well, what I was going to say is I've talked to these investors and and a lot of these investors are like really big time investors, right? And when I'm telling them the vision, They'll sit there and I think I'm telling them a big vision, right? Well, we're really hoping to exit at three to $400 million at this point, or maybe we could get, and they'll look at me and they'll say, well, what would happen if that wasn't your goal? What would happen if I said you had to exit at a $5 billion market cap? What would happen if I said you had to go out there and match SoFi? What kind of plan would you create to back into that? And so these would-be investors are asking bigger, better questions of me where I was asking myself, it's not that a billion dollars is too small, but much smaller questions than what they were interested in investing in. Mm. So why do I share that story? The same way I said to you guys, hey, five properties in 15 months, that's insane. That over the next 15 months, what would it take to get to 25, Right. right? That's the same thing that these investors are saying to me. Hey man, that's great that you want to get to a few hundred million and and maybe the the moonshot is a billion. But what would the plan be if I said, I'm only getting in if you were going to take this to five or to $10 billion? Mm-hmm. It forces you to think in a way that you weren't capable to think yourself. So yeah. it's not about the questions we're asking ourselves. It'd be nice if we could just do that. Yeah. It's about who are you plugged into that's going to ask you questions that you once thought were absurd, but force an answer out of you. So good. So when you came up with this idea, who, how did you know who to tell the idea to first? Because there are some women that do have an idea of something that they want to do. And like, I want to speak to if you say it to the wrong person at the that infancy mm-hmm. baby stage, how much that can crush you if you don't have the confidence yet. So how, what advice would you give around that? You have to be real careful who you share your ideas with, uh, not because they're going to be stolen, yeah. but because they're going to be 
squashed. You're going to be told, oh, it's not possible, or you've never done something like that before, right? So you have to be real careful who you're going to use as a sounding board. Yeah. The very first person I told when I had the idea was Lori, my wife, because I'm lucky yeah. enough. And this is just luck. This is just good fortune that that I chose a woman and that she chose me, where I know she is an equally big dreamer yeah. and believes that we can accomplish anything. So she's the first person I tell. The second person, though, that I went and I told was my now business partner, yeah. Matt. And another guy named Darren, you know, me, Matt and Darren are, are dear friends together, uh, all thanks to a friend of ours named Rob. Yeah. And um, those two guys play at a much higher level in the hundreds and hundreds of millions yeah. of dollars. And I knew they would understand what I was bringing to them. And, and I knew they'd give me accurate feedback, not, oh, that's too big to comprehend feedback, but accurate feedback. Like this is valid. This is not valid. Or have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? So I brought the idea to them and I said, hey, guys. Here's my idea. Is this wild? Is this dumb? Or is this possible? And when they confirmed, not only is this a brilliant idea, yeah. uh, not only is this possible, but here's some other things that you probably didn't think about. It became fuel for the idea mm-hmm. instead of becoming headwinds for the idea. Mm-hmm. Because people are either going to be fuel or they're going to be a headwind, yeah. right? You're either running into a headwind and it just makes it too damn tough or they're, be, they're behind you. They're the fuel that's pushing you. So you got to make sure that all the people in your life are fuel and that that they're not creating headwinds that that you don't need unnecessarily. But I do want to bring this down to earth yeah. for a minute because you referenced, you said someone's listening right now. They're like, they can't comprehend these, these hundreds of millions or these billions or whatever. Yeah. The concept is the same. If you're making $50,000 right now mm-hmm. and you're asking yourself, God, how do I get to a hundred? The problem is, you can only comprehend maybe getting to 100. But if you plugged in to a group of people, whether it was online, whether it was in person, no matter how you had to do it, that said, I know you're at 50 grand right now, but what would it take to get to a million? Yeah. First of all, you probably say, me? I can't do that. I've never even thought about that. I'm trying to get to 100 grand. But what if they push back on you? What if they said, no, we're not getting up from this table? until you at least come up with some kind of plan that's maybe barely conceivable that would get you to a possible million. Those are the friends you want in life. Those are the mentors you want in life. Those are the influences you want in life. The people that are going to ask you the question that you don't have the guts to ask yourself because it seems inconceivable until 15 minutes later, you realize, wait, Maybe there is a path. Yeah. And it's not even about, because like when you had asked us, you know, how do you get to this like certain amount of like assets under management by this time frame? It was yep. such an expansive question. And I think the importance, like at least the way that it resonated with me is that doesn't actually have to be the goal. The idea is to get yourself to think in a more creative yep. way to ask like those questions and to make those choices to, to know that that is even possible for you. So like one other thing that I love how you, you should, can I just jump in yeah. there quick. The goal is not more, 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 yes, more for the sake yes. of more. And that's another reason why people, you know, have a, a hang up around this. The goal is not more, more, more. The goal is more than you think you're capable of so that you don't sell yourself yes. short. That's the goal. It's not more, 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 more. It's just more than you think you're capable of. So you don't sell yourself short because listen, life is easier. If you have a lot of extra money, mm-hmm. relationships are easier. If you have a lot of extra money, parenting is easier. If you have a lot of extra money, it's not to say you can't be a great parent without it. It's not to say you can't have a great relationship without it. It's not to say you can't have a great life without it, but it's just easier. Those are the facts that sometimes people don't want to admit because it mitigates 
the things that chip away at your happiness. It mitigates the things that are headwinds. It mitigates the things that eat up your time that you wish they weren't. You know, you can hire extra help. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can create solutions that uh, you can't create if you don't have the extra money. Um, You can mitigate a lot of the problems like a car breaking down or or a roof roof leaking or whatever it might be. You all of a sudden you don't care about those things or they don't happen because you have the extra money so you don't have to worry about them. So I'm telling you, it's, it's not more, 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 but it is more than you think you're capable of so that you're not selling yourself short and you're actually living life to its fullest, being able to squeeze every drop out of every minute you've been given. And I'll say it is more for the sake of having more choice. Mm-hmm. The best thing that money can buy, Keisha, is choice. Yeah. Uh, some people say, no, it's not. It's health. No, you're wrong. It's the choice to buy healthy foods and good health care to be healthy. Yes. It's the choice to work with who you want, when you want, where you want. It's the choice to go make memories with your family that you want to make, not the memories that you have to make, right? So the best thing money can buy is choice. So you got to figure out what is that number for you that gives you the amount of choice that you want to have to be able to not sell yourself short of the little five minutes that we get here on earth. Because it goes by really quick. Well, and on that, one of the things that you've done in your mastermind, and I'm not sure if you guys do this at your roundtable events that you do too, which we'll talk about later, is this like dream life budget, right? Where sometimes people throw out this arbitrary goal. You see a lot of this with like, I want a six-figure business. I want a seven-figure business. I want insert this random ass number that they just pulled out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. But when they actually break down their budget, what's surprising for some people is they actually don't need... Like You've had people in the masterminds that have realized like, I don't need to go launch all of these things or I don't need to have this team to have the life that I want. So can you speak to that too? Because I do think there is this narrative that you do such a good job of articulating that it isn't more, more, more. It's expanding your capacity and your mindset and like really tapping into your potential, but knowing intuitively what you want, which is going to be different for everybody that listens into this, right? Dream life strategy sessions are one of my favorite things to do on the planet, right? Where we sit on a Zoom like this for two hours and we figure out what's your real number, Mm -hmm. not what is the number that somebody told you you need to have. And here's where it takes, here's where it's so effective. Some people think their number is lower than what it really is. Some people think their number is higher than what it needs to be. And the danger of both of those things is when you think your number is lower than what it really is, then you're going to sell yourself short on achieving the level of happiness that you thought you're going to achieve. But if your number is too high that you're chasing compared to what you actually mathematically needed, then you're exchanging too much life and you're going above and beyond, right? You're going past the finish line when the finish line was back here and you're expending time and energy that you don't need to expend. So you got to know what your number is. You got to know what your sweet spot is. We call it your dream life number. And it's a really easy exercise. You can do it yourself. It's just easier if you have somebody like me pushing you to not think with what your norms are, but somebody who has the outside perspective to say, hey, have you considered this or, or have you ever thought of that? But you can do it yourself. It's real easy. Uh, picture four quadrants, if you will. In the first quadrant, you just list every single thing in your budget that you are spending right now to live the life that you are living right now. And then you have to add to the, whatever that number is, you have to add tax to that because you get taxed <laughs> to find out what you have to earn to sustain the life that you have right now. Then the the quadrant right below that, that's your business. And this is for entrepreneurs. Um The quadrant below that is all the expenses that go into running your business to achieve this number that we just came up with right now. You have to add that to the number. So now you know what your gross revenue needs to be to sustain your life. Then 
to the right of this, the upper right-hand quadrant, this is where we start adding in your dream life items. Do you have the house you want right now or do you want a different one? How much more will that cost you? Do you have the cars that you want right now or do you want different ones? Do you take the trips you want right now or do you want different ones? Do you have the do you belong to the country club you do you have the right child care you want? Do you have the right foods? Like we go through every category. Yeah. And people get to choose. Well, I don't give a shit about cars. I don't care about houses, but boy, I, I wish I could spend this on food. I wish I could spend this on on healthcare or on education or whatever it might be. So it's really cool how it's different for every person. And now in this upper right-hand quadrant, now we have this extra chunk of money that you need to be earning to live your your dream life. Then in the lower quadrant, we have to figure out what do you have to add to your business to supply this excess number? And when we add it all together, we get your dream life number. And your dream life number tells you exactly what your target is, Mm -hmm. exactly what to focus in on. And you build a set of tracks then saying, if this is my dream life number, what is the set of tracks working backwards from that number to be able to get there? How many products do I have to sell? What lines of income do I have to have? How am I going to get to this number if I know once and for all what my number is that's going to give me my dream life? So good. And I love it because it's very tactical, like people that can like actually do it on a piece of paper if they want to right now. So Chris, can we talk just about the importance of like diversifying income in general. Because one thing that I've always loved about the way that you talk about money is the importance of like not just relying on one particular stream of income. Even if someone listening into this is a W-2 employee, it's like, and they want to be a W-2 employee. That's great. Not everyone should be an entrepreneur, but it's like, what can we, how can we start to think about this necessity? And I actually do want to say it as a necessity to have multiple streams of income. And where do you think someone can start? Or how can they like really conceptualize this? When Lori and I lost everything, you know, people that are listening, they may not know this story back in 2008, 2009, when the recession hit, I was in banking and we were living beyond our means. I was young and dumb and arrogant, ignorant, thought, you know, it would last forever. And so we were living beyond our means at the time, always banking on next year's promotion. And when the music stopped, we were left holding the bag and and didn't have a chair to sit in. So when that happened, we both set out to say, what set of rules, what set of financial rules do we need to live by to make sure this never happens again? And one of the most important rules that we learned and, and kind of made up for ourselves is that you must always live and always create your budget and income streams so that if any one of your income streams went away today, you would not have to change your lifestyle tomorrow. Now, some people hear that and they freak out, right? Some people are like, what do you mean? I'm a doctor and I'm the main breadwinner and I worked hard for this income. Yeah, but you're not guaranteed that that income is going to last forever. What happens? Let's say you're a surgeon. What happens if something happens to your hand and you can't do surgery anymore? Now, where are you left, right? Let's say in my case, I was in banking. I was the only breadwinner in the family at the time. Was it stable? Was it a great job? Was it with the world's biggest bank? Yes. Was it guaranteed? We found out no. So no matter what you're doing, your number one income source is not guaranteed. That's a wake-up call. So you need to create two things. There's two levers you can pull. Your expenses lever, right? Your budget. You got to make sure you set that lever low enough where if something were to happen to one of your income sources, you're not going to have to change your lifestyle tomorrow. But then also this other lever, if you don't want to live a a life on rice and beans, you push up the other lever. And that is what other income sources 
can I create or get through investments so that if one of my income sources, even my main one went away today, I would not have to change my lifestyle tomorrow. That is true financial security. I'll tell you, true financial security actually is not a certain number in the Mm -hmm. bank. I have friends who have lost $80 million overnight. Overnight. Let that sink in in a minute. Like there's no number, I guess, unless you're Elon Musk, but you could even (laughs) argue, you know, we've watched his his net worth fluctuate by tens of billions of dollars in in a week's time. I don't think Elon listens in, but maybe. (laughs) Hopefully he does. But the point is, People think financial safety is like, oh, well, I've got this certain number in the bank and I'm good. I got my 12 months runway, which is also another rule to live by. But that's not your end all be all to safety. Yeah. Your end all be all to safety is knowing that if any one of your income sources went away today, even your biggest one, that you would not have to change your lifestyle tomorrow and that you would have the capability of then having that stability saying, okay, fine, I lost an income source. It sucks. But number one, I don't have to change my lifestyle. Number two, I know how to create income sources, so I'm just going to create a different one. That's where your real safety lies. I hope you are loving this episode with Chris. Oh my gosh, he just... I love him. He's just so raw and honest. And I'm so excited because he is also coming back to our event, Empower Her Live, September 22nd through the 24th here in Denver, Colorado. This is an in-person event for hundreds of women that listen into this podcast. He's coming back to this event because he's such an expander for me. And as you can tell in this episode, has been so transformative in my life that I just want you to be exposed to him and getting to see him in person. The way that we're actually having him speak at this event is him and his wife, Lori harder. The three of us are doing like a fireside chat style conversation talking about how to build a business while also prioritizing your marriage and what it actually feels like to chase your big dreams and have people that don't understand you. And it's just going to be so raw and real. The entire lineup of Empower Her Live, like if you head to empowerherlive2023.com or over to my Instagram, look at our lineup. It's insane. We have some of the best speakers in the entire freaking world that are going to be at this event. And it's for you. If you know that you've got potential in you, or you're trying to figure out like what's next for me or like what's holding me back and you need that clarity, but you also need those connections of women that look like the direction that you're headed. You need to meet those people, meeting them in person. There's nothing like it. So honestly, if you haven't snagged your ticket yet, head to empowerherlive2023.com. You can still join us. We got space for you, girl. And honestly, it's going to be one of those weekends that I honestly think could be that demarcation line. Like you're lying in the sand where you're like, I remember from that event moving forward, everything changed. Or I met someone that now I get to do life with. It's one of my best friends or like someone like Chris, for example, says something to you that you're like, oh my gosh, that rocked me. And now I'm not the same moving forward. So honestly, get yourself in the room. It's just been such a huge catalyst for my growth as an individual. I want this for you. So head to empowerherlive2023.com, snag your ticket, come see us. I want to squeeze you in real life. And I cannot even freaking wait. Now, without further ado, let's get back into the show because we got some more juice to cover. And I think like for someone listening into this, that that idea is like, oh my gosh, remember part of the reason that we're even having this conversation is because I think there are a lot of women listening into the show that don't have conversations like this at all ever, or don't hear people talking so unapologetically about this, where that's like a vision of what you're working towards. And it's asking yourself, am I taking steps in the right direction? Because another thing I love so much about you, Chris, is like, 
you are a huge visionary, big dreamer. You'll set these like lofty ass goals. I have no doubt in my mind you'll make all of them happen, but you're also able to be super present where your feet are and soak up life and savor the stage that you're in in pursuit of where you want to go. And there are also a lot of women that are very type A and very driven and like, or maybe they're in that season of like, it feels like you're pushing a gigantic monster truck tire up a hill and you're like, how am I ever going to figure this out? Or maybe they're, you know, creating their first like side stream of income or whatever that is. So to that woman, how do you think she can do a better job of feeling excited and grateful for where she's at now in pursuit of where she wants to go? Because you are that in a human form, right? It's like, you can talk about this big vision, but you're also like one of the happiest guys ever. You and I connect on this so much because we're so excited about yeah. freaking everything, knowing that we're still- Like we wake up excited yeah, for life. Yeah, we're excited. And then we just convince our significant others to get as excited as we are. And it's like, you know, how do you do that? And how could someone, what advice would you give to someone that's struggling with that right now? It's striking the perfect balance between being unapologetic about the life that you dream of and at the same time being grateful and taking inventory of, that means got to have a gratitude practice, taking inventory of everything that you do have today that you once prayed that you would have, right? The problem is as humans, we move the finish line. No matter what we do in life, we keep moving the finish line. And then it looks like, geez, I'm only halfway done with the race. And we forget that the finish line, although today it looks up here, it used to be way back here and we're way past it. Mm -hmm. But all we're looking at is where are we today compared to where the finish line is? We forget that we moved it. And so we lack gratitude. We don't take inventory of the fact that like, wait, I've actually passed my original finish lines like 10 times over. And you have to be able to concentrate on the fact that of, of what you do have right now. So you have appreciation for it before you're going to be given any more as you aspire for a better life. Ed Milet calls it blissful dissatisfaction. And I love that term because you are blissful for what you have. And you're also equally dissatisfied that you haven't reached your dream life yet. And you can live in that sweet spot of blissful dissatisfaction. You're grateful. You're happy. You know that you're lucky to have what you have. And that doesn't mean you shouldn't want more. It's like when you go out for, not everyone might be a a meat eater, but, you know, insert favorite food here. For me, you go out for a great steak and you haven't eaten all day. Like I fast a lot of times. So I'm like, favorite restaurant, favorite steak and, um, or sushi. Sushi is really my jam. So favorite (laughs) restaurant, favorite sushi, and I'm starving, right? So I take that first bite and it's so good. And I take that second bite and it's so good. Now I'm blissful. I'm satisfied, right? I'm grateful that I've gotten those first couple of bites. I've appreciated, enjoyed how, how they've tasted. Doesn't mean I don't want the rest of the damn sushi boat. Yeah. I'm going to crush that whole damn thing. Mm-hmm. So it's blissful dissatisfaction. I'm, you can simultaneously enjoy what you have at that moment and still want more. Mm-hmm. Okay. On that, I have to ask you about this because there are a lot of women that, you know, you talked about your story of like everything that happened with you guys way early on, Mm -hmm. but now you're at this place in life where you could theoretically just kind of sit and coast through life. I know that's not your personality. That's not Lori's personality, but for the women that on paper, things feel really good right now and they don't have their back against the wall. They don't have to overcome something. You talk sometimes about like manufacturing pain points. Yeah. Can you speak to like, how is someone right now that's in a comfy situation with this visceral feeling that they want more, but lacking like just the oomph to get themselves going because it's so comfortable? How does someone even 
strive to that next level when they know that they want it, but it is so comfy and they don't need to make a change? This this is such a great question. So I'm going to start with a a quick cautionary note, and then I'm going to answer the question. Cautionary note. Don't think you need more just because you think you need more. Have a real reason. This is back to the dream budget, dream life budget. Have a real tangible understanding of what you want and why you want it and what it takes to get there. Okay. So don't just manufacture unhappiness because you're like, well, society tells me I should want more. So I I should be unhappy that I don't have more. Like have a real vision as to what you want, why you want it and what it's going to take to get there. That's the cautionary point. Now, once you have that, you have to be able to um, create these. You ever hear the phrase, good's the enemy, Uh great? Jim Collins is a book that was written a while back, good's the enemy, great. When things are, are bad, when they're down and out, when I lost my job at the world's biggest bank, I had to come home and tell my wife, hey, babe, we have to short sell the house and walk away from rental properties, get rid of the cars and do all those things. That was a pain point. I was willing to do whatever it took to recover. I was willing to, to reinvent myself. I was willing to, to do things that before I wouldn't have been willing to do. I was willing to, to do extra work I wasn't doing in the past, right? So when, when you have a pain point, it's easy to do the hard yeah. stuff. But when things are good, you go from offense to playing defense. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, eh, I don't want to mess up this good reputation I got. Eh, I don't want to mess up the little bit of money I've already saved. Yeah, I'm not sure I want to make that investment because I've worked so hard to to save up this little nut that I've already got, right? So you go from offense to defense. Yeah. And the problem is when you're on defense, now you're not offensively, you're, you're not aggressively going out and continuing to pursue what where you are really meant to go. Yeah. So you, when good is the enemy, great. When things are good, you have to manufacture a tangible pain point mm-hmm. by focusing on, this is the opposite of what we preached, right? We we're saying, hey, always be take inventory of what you do have. But when you know you're not taking action to go where you meant to be, you have to now start focusing on, wait a minute, what don't I have that I know I deserve? Mm. What don't I have that I know is is my birthright or what I was put here to enjoy? What don't I have that I know my family needs? What don't I have that you know I, I should go out and get it, but I'm not pursuing it because things are comfortable right now? And you have to get visceral with what you're missing, with what it's costing you if you don't finish that journey. Yeah. If you don't go get what you were truly meant to go have. And when I say you got to get visceral, you have to like sit back. I don't care if you have to journal. I don't care if, if you have to have this conversation with your loved ones. You have to make it tangible saying, well, if I don't go out and get X amount of money for retirement, then I'm not going to be able to travel the way that I want. Mm-hmm. Things might be comfortable right now, but 30 years from now, when it's kind of hard to understand what it's going to feel like, 30 years from now, I'm not going to have the life that I actually dream of. So I better get back to work. And you have to concentrate on that pain point of, I am not there yet. I'm not going to be where I need to be. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of ways to create. One of the best ways to create the, you know, a manufacturer pain point is go throw yourself into a group of bigger performers. Yeah. It's real easy. So when Lori and I lived in, I'll give you real numbers. When we lived in the Midwest and moved to California, we were making just over a million dollars a year at the time. And in the Midwest, uh, 10 years ago or 12, geez, 13 years ago, million dollars a year was a lot of money. It still is a lot yeah. of money, but around there is a lot of money, right? Then we moved out to California <laughs> and we moved in this building that we called the Bentley building. Cause when we were looking for places, all that was out front was nothing but Ferraris and Bentleys and everything else. So we move into this building and um, everyone has dogs. So you, you go down as a condo building, you go down to the bottom, everyone's walked their dog and they talk in the morning and I would talk to everybody. 
and they would talk about what their businesses are or what they're invested in or, you know, just different things that you could tell how people are performing. And it took me not a matter of a couple of months to go from thinking that a million dollars a year was a lot to thinking a million dollars a year makes me the poorest person in this building. And I don't even feel that secure anymore. That is a manufactured pain point. Mm. And that is what set Lori and I on having such larger sites. And it's also then once we had those larger sites set, it's what surrounded us with the people to explain, hey, here's what you do. Here's how you get there. Here's what I did. So you can now accelerate your journey to these larger sites. I love that. But you got to manufacture those pain points. And I think it's really important to even like the disclaimer that you put on this for someone listening in. It's like, if you're genuinely happy, it's like the Gary V talks about this of like, you're the guy that wants to coach five T-ball teams and like make 60 grand a year and you're happy. You are winning, right? It's just, it's for, there's so many women, especially that are going to click on a title like this podcast and know what we're going to be talking about that it's like. You do know that you want something more, but one of the biggest things that I hear that I want to like kind of tie this up with, because I, I love how well I know you too, because I can like just say a topic and I'm like, I know the direction he's going to go and they're just going to be like, shit, that was so good. Um, so the women, like one of the biggest struggles that I hear is like, I'm so afraid of leaving blah, 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 blah behind, or I'm so afraid of yeah. outshining so-and-so, or I'm so afraid of how this is going to impact my sister or my friends from college or my neighbors or whatever. If I call my shot on this thing that I want, and that fear is absolutely paralyzing. Like it's not even just like it, it holds the back. It is paralyzing for a huge portion of women that are going to listen into this episode. How do you get over that? And what would you say to her? I've got a lot to say around this because I've actually been there myself before. Um, The first thing I'm going to say is this. It's a lose-lose situation to hold yourself back. Because if you hold yourself back from what you could have done and who you could have been for the sake of making other people around you comfortable, even if it's a significant other, then instead of them suffering, now you're the one who's suffering. And because you're suffering, it's going to inevitably uh, ruin that relationship. Mm-hmm. So either way, you're damned if you do or you're damned if you don't. Meaning staying back to make other people happy is only going to sabotage that relationship anyways, because now you're the one that's unhappy. Yeah. There's no escaping that. So then if you have to go where you're meant to go, what do you do about the people who are going to feel uncomfortable when you start going there? Well, when Lori and I moved to California, we knew we're pulled to this, this area of higher energy and and bigger thinkers and more doers. We felt like outcasts when we lived in the Midwest. And by the way, this is not a condemnation of the Midwest. I'm in the Midwest right now. We bought a a lake house here. (laughs) Uh, I'm at the lake house. We come up here for two months every summer. We love it. This is where you get good work ethic, good family values, good traditions, good everything, right? The only thing that's not fostered here is really big thinking yeah. and that real high energy vibe. It's just not, matter of fact, we come here because it's slow energy, yeah. right? So the reason I, I make that disclaimer is Lori and I knew we needed to go where the big thinkers and the high energy was. Mm. And we knew we needed to go there to be happy because staying back to be close to our family, staying back to be close to our, our friends that we had then, we were the ones that were going to suffer instead of them. Mm. So we did, we went and guess what? It was the worst year of our lives when it came to our family. Our parents said things like we lost ourselves. Uh, they were hurt that we moved so far physically away. Um, you know, we had friends say, oh, they're, they're just in it for the money. Um, we, I mean, a lot of 
tough conversations were had and a lot of stones were thrown in that year. It got so bad, Keisha, that Lori and I were in Santa Monica at the time. I remember my parents had just visited and it was a horrible visit. You know, you expect them to be good visit. It was a horrible visit. They went home and Lori and I said to ourselves, you know, screw it. If this is the way it's going to be, I guess it's just you and I moving forward. Now, for you to hear that, the listeners don't know me, but you know me. I'm up here because mom is 2,000 feet Literally. down the shore. That's why you we like bought this. road trip like, with her every year. Like your mom is like your Right. Every year I do a road trip dad. with mom to make memories. So for me to say that, you know how bad things yeah. got, right? So hopefully the, the listener can understand. But did we fold up shop? Did we move home? No. Instead, we kept the course that we knew we were destined to be on. And we did our best to communicate uh, in a loving way to those that we cared about, why we had to stay on that course. I remember one time we sat down, is is in a car ride, and we're sitting there. And before we went home, I'm, I kind of extended a car ride. I'm like, Mom, Dad, you guys need to know something. I know you don't understand why we're out here. I know you don't understand why we're doing what we're doing. But we have a vision that's bigger than you can comprehend. It's a vision of having lake houses where we spend summers together. It's a vision of Lori and I not having to work so we can do more with the family. It's a vision of us bringing the family out to California or somewhere warm instead of you guys suffering winter when you're older. All the things that were not happening then, right? We had a vision so that if we could sacrifice a little time away, we'd be able to spend more time together than any other family out there. Mm -hmm. And guess what happened? Lori's family, my family, everybody, they all now benefit from having houses that we bought them out west where it's warm, from having a lake house up here yes. that we come to, to flying them on private jets and first class and, and taking them on vacation and doing all the things together as a family yeah. more than any other family gets to do because we understood why we were taking that time out to physically go where we needed to go, to sprint to get to where we needed to go so we could then bring everybody else along. Yeah, They didn't understand it. We didn't hold back just because they didn't understand it. We had faith in knowing what we were meant to do. And I hope the listener, if, this, if I'm speaking to you right now, I hope you have faith in knowing what you have to do to get yourself ahead so that you can then live a life like other people don't get to live with your loved ones. And I do think there are a lot of women that know intuitively, like they're hearing that. And I could even just picture some people driving like in their car right now, or they're doing their workout and it like actually is moving them to the emotional state of like tears in your eyes, because you know that you're the lineage changer. Like, you know, that you're the person that has the vision that can change the trajectory of who comes next. And that's a really big responsibility. But if you know it and you lean into it, like, look at what you guys have done and the impact that you've made on your family and so many people and all of the like philanthropic work that you do and everything. It's just incredible. So I love you. And I'm just so inspired by how you guys live life and so grateful to do it with you. And Keisha, yeah. Keisha, I, I, one, thank you. I, I feel the exact same way about you. I got to say one more thing though, because you're referencing women, 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 yeah. right? I want to speak to the women right now. Money in the hands of women is the best place for money to be. And when you're playing small and you're not out there getting that bag that you need to get, you're not just hurting yourself. You're hurting all the other people who would have benefited from your natural nurturing way that you are yeah. built. You see, the reason why I say money is the best, you know, in the hands of women is the best place for money to be is because women are just naturally more nurturing. They're naturally more caring. They'll put themselves out more than a guy will, right? And it's not every guy and it's not every woman, but as a broad stroke of the brush, and I understand how general and dangerous that could be, 
women are just more caring. And when they control the dollars, more people benefit. What do guys do when they get rich? They go out and they, they get fancy cars <laughs> and they get fancy watches. And by the way, I'm throwing stones at myself because I have the fancy cars. I have the fancy watches, right? And um, they, they go get all these masculine trophies. What do women do? Yeah. They're the first to buy a house for their yeah. parents. They're the first to, to you know, help somebody else or, or give to a charity or do something like that. And so if you're hearing this, you, you actually have a grave responsibility as a woman to not play small, to not keep other people happy at the expense of what you could have been and what you could have achieved. You have a responsibility to play all out, to have the uncomfortable conversations, to be in situations where people don't understand you, but you understand you so that you can go accumulate what you were meant to accumulate so that you can make your loved one's lives and other people's lives that you care about and causes that you care about so that you can make all of them better. So good. It is true. And that's a huge fuel source for me too. I think about this where for anyone listening in that connects with that, it's like, if you are gifted this vision, then it's just trusting that you're also gifted the resourcefulness, which might mean you getting yourself into rooms. And even just like the way that our first mentorship and friendship even started was like, I felt that. And I was like, I know this is in me, but I don't know how the hell to do this. But I do know finding people that look like the direction of where I'm headed is absolutely going to be instrumental to me doing this. And people that are pushing back and saying, Keisha, you can do things bigger. And you've been such a huge influence in my life from that, which is why I wanted to have this conversation and why I'm always telling people about you. Because I just think the way that you do this and you talk so unapologetically about vision and finances and the necessity in particular for women to get money and go chase their big dreams, but also do it in an aligned way where they're savoring the stage that they're in. They're grateful for what they're having in pursuit of where they want to go. It's just like, you do it in such a beautiful way. So, okay, Chris, please tell them like the quick backstory on Frello too, because when you first told us this idea, I remember seeing it. I looked at each other and we were like, shit, this is so good. Okay. So tell them Frello, your app and the details about it. Cause I'm so excited. Guys, this is a, this, this is a great example actually of what Literally, we talked about yeah. this, this entire yeah. episode, right? So when you have the means to be generous, then as a default, you do more generosity, acts of generosity. Right. Well, this billion dollar plus idea came from a real life act of generosity. I was sitting at our house in Santa Monica a few years ago and I get so many DMs. When when you have a brand that's around finances and generosity, guess what? Invites a lot of people to DM you strangers and say, Hey, here's my hardship. Could I have 500 bucks? Here's my hardship. Could I have a thousand? You know, could I borrow? Could I have whatever? And I I mean, I get like 50 to a hundred a month. So I made a personal policy despite loving generosity that Lori and I were not going to give in the DMs because we didn't know what was real. We didn't know what was right. fake. We gave in ways that were verifiable. That being said, despite having that personal policy, one day, one message just got through to me because it felt I got a physical feeling. Like when I say physical feeling, down through my head, into my heart, like yeah. open this message, read this one and answer it. So I did. And it was a landscaper. He said, hey, Chris, I listen to your show. I'm grateful for what you put out there. I'm really embarrassed to be sending this to you, but I'm two payments behind on my landscape truck and I need $680 like right away. And if I can't find it, they're going to repo this truck. And if they repo this truck, not only will I lose my business, but worse yet, I've got two great guys that work for me. They're going to lose their jobs. And so is there any way that you would lend me $680? Now, Remember, personal policy, not going to give money into DMs, but feeling, hey, man, you got to do this. So I followed the feeling. I said, hey, stranger, no problem. 
um, I'll give you, I'm not going to lend it to you. I'll give you the $680. All I ask in return is that you work hard to put yourself in position to do this for somebody else someday down the road. Good luck to you. I believe in you. And that was it. Now, I never thought I'd hear from this guy again. Was it real? Was it a scam? I didn't know. I didn't care. I was just following the feeling. So I PayPal'd him the money. Sure enough, about two months later, guy slides back into my DMs. And he says, hey, Chris, I want to let you know what you did for me that day when you sent me the money. He said, I took the money. Of course, I got current on the truck and, and I cut my business. Those guys kept their job. That's good. He said, but something else happened. When you said all that you wanted in return was for me to put myself in position to be able to do this for somebody else one day. He said, that lit a fire in me like I've never felt before. I got a purpose like I've never had before. And I've gone absolutely haywire getting as many new landscape accounts as possible to the point where I'm now buying a second truck and hiring two additional guys. And Keisha, I thought, holy shit, $680. Not to minimize that, but in the grand scheme of things, it's not a lot of money for this impact. $680 was all it took? Just a little bridge? That was the difference between this guy going out of business and two guys losing their jobs or this guy catching fire and adding jobs to the economy. And that moment became the seed that was planted in me to say, wait a minute, how do I solve this? How do I match make all the guys like him, guys and gals like, like him and all the people like us that would say, Hey, I got you. I'll give you a bridge. Just give me a little bit in return. And then I had to solve, like, how do I incentivize people to make these loans and how do I protect these loans? We worked it all out. Mm -hmm. And what we're going to launch in the beginning of 2024, this is a massive build. This is like a PayPal Venmo size build right now that we're building right out of the gates. So when we launch, we're going to have a peer-to-peer personal loan app, literally Uber for lenders and borrowers, where the lenders are protected when they lend the money and the borrowers are getting loans they wouldn't get otherwise. And we're going to be keeping them out of payday loan stores, which are predatory as hell. I mean, the amount of of good that we're doing with this app, right? Helping people who are in a financial jam and creating a new way to make really good returns that are unmatched elsewhere for the for the lenders. It's the biggest win-win I've ever come across in my life. And it all came from a simple act of generosity. It's so beautiful. And I mean, I've heard this story several times. Every time I always feel it, like it's just you also trusting and, and I think it's a good reminder for anyone, trusting like that intuitive thing that comes into you sometimes where it doesn't quite make sense, but you let your yeah. body like feel it and let that be a compass to kind of guide you. Because prior you yeah. in banking and wondering how am I going to get out of this and all of the things that you've iterated since then, you could have have in your wildest dreams come up with this Frello idea, but you kept yeah. showing up yeah. and you kept leaning into things that mattered to you, talking about finances, talking about like philanthropic, the nature that you have about you and just being so unapologetic that it like led you down this path to what I think is going to be game changer in this world that you get to create with also your business partner is incredible too. It's just, it's so exciting to see this all come together. And I'm just over here like, let's go Chris, because I know, (laughs) I know how many pivots and things that you've done career wise. And I think that's an important reminder to people listening in is sometimes like, it's just following your own intuition and trusting that this step will make sense. It's like the Steve Jobs quote that you can't connect the dots until you're looking backwards. But now that you're here with yeah. this idea, you can look back and you're like, damn, this all makes sense to get you here. Yeah. You know? It, it gets crazy. You're like looking back, you know, to connect the dots. All of a sudden, Matt, my business partner who already built a tech company, sold it for big nine figures. 
you know, all of a sudden he was available at the right time and said, yes, I want to do this. And then his team, they were available because the the company that bought him was a larger competitor and said, hey, we want your customers, your tech, your everything, but we don't want your team. So Matt being the good guy he was, he's like, hey, team, I don't know what's in our future, but I'll pay you for two years, whether you want to sit at home or whether you want to work, that's up to you. Like all of those things being lined up, it's been divine from the feeling to making, to giving the guy the money, to him telling me the feedback, to getting the idea, to Matt being available, his team being available. It's all just been divinely lined up. So you got to follow those feelings. So good. Okay. So for anyone that's interested in Frello, obviously this is not actually launching until until 2024, early 2024, but are you taking investors or is there any way that people can be like updated about what's going on? If they're interested, give us the juice. We are, we're taking investors, right? So you'd own a a chunk of this app. Uh, You have to be an accredited investor. Uh, That's just the laws. That's not us. That's the laws. So that means that uh, you as an individual have made over $200,000 the past two years. Or you as a couple have made over $300,000 the past two years. Or if you haven't done that, you have a million dollars net worth, not including the equity in your personal home. Uh, If you're those things, you are an accredited investor. And uh, you can go uh, check check out Frello and and even fill out the app to invest at FrelloApp.com forward slash invest. Again, that is Frello, F-R-E-L-L-O app. FrelloApp.com forward slash invest, fill out the app and uh, we'll give you a call and see if we're a good match. So cool. And then obviously I'll plug all the things of how people can find you. And for anyone that's coming to Empower Her Live, they get to see you in person in a few weeks. I know. I can't, I can't wait. wait. I can't it's going to be so fun because you and Lori and I are going to do this like fireside chat type of like real juicy convo. And I know when I like get you guys on the spot like this where you have no idea what the hell is coming, like so much juiciness comes out of you guys and it's going to be so great. So thank you so much, Chris. I love you. I'm so, so appreciative of how you show up in the world and how you've supported us. And I'm just so grateful to call you a friend, a dear friend. So thank you. Literally right back at you. You are one of my favorite humans ever. And I'm just so grateful that we get to do life with you guys. Chris. much for listening in. If you love this episode, it would mean so much to me if you shared it with a girlfriend. Like, send it to her right now. Or post it on social media and tag me so I can personally thank you for helping me get the message out. I am so freaking grateful to be on this journey with you, girl. So until next time, I'll talk to you soon.